Welcome to Two Brothers in Their Sports. I'm your co-host, Arv. And I'm your co-host, Arsh. And today on the show, it's going to be jam-packed. We're starting off by talking about the NFL. We're going to talk about our Week 2 matchups that we're super excited to see. We're also going to talk about, do our weekly segment, Two Brothers, Two Picks, which is where each of us, Arsh and I, both give you two picks, two guys you absolutely have to start, available in more than 50% of fantasy football leagues, and that can help you win your games this week. Next, we're going to talk about our NBA predictions, finals predictions, NBA or MVP predictions, and also overrated and underrated teams. And finally, we're going to talk about Roger Federer, who just announced that he's going to retire next week. So starting off with the NFL, let's look at some games that I'm super excited to see. Starting off is going to be the Cardinals versus Raiders game. Now, I know the Cardinals got blown out against the Chiefs last week. Chiefs put up 44 points on that on that defense, and the, the uh, it didn't look as bad because the Cardinals had, they started like trying to get back into the game, and the Chiefs really didn't try that much. Patrick Mahomes got pulled pretty much into the, halfway through the fourth quarter. So it was not bad. It was worse than it looked. However, the Raiders, I expect them to have a huge day. I expect Derek Carr to go crazy uh, because this team just got lit up by Patrick Mahomes. They let run, they left running backs open. They left receivers open. They left pretty much they left tight ends open. It's going to be a good day for Derek Carr. I expect the the Raiders to win this, especially with Devontae Adams garnering seventeen targets from Derek Carr last week. I think it's going to be a shootout, however, because I think Arizona's angry. They're going to come back and want to win this game. And next, or my next game is the Monday Night Football, the second Monday Night Football game, which is the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. This is going to be a great game as well. We saw last week Philadelphia Eagles and Detroit Lions, both of them got into a huge, huge fight of points, I'm going to call it, where it was a huge shootout, 38-35. to 35. The, the the Lions ended up come, trying almost coming back at the end. Jalen Hurts has been electric so far. He, I think he's going to do very well in this game against the Minnesota Vikings. But I'm more excited to see if this passing offense for the Minnesota Vikings can be sustained. We saw week one, this new offense and this this way of designing Justin Jefferson to be the Cooper Cup of this year from last year. It seemed to work in week one. Uh, Justin Jefferson had almost 34 points in the first half in fantasy last week. He had over 100 over 150 yards, over 10 catches, and a touchdown. I I think and I hope that that passing offense is going to continue, but the Philadelphia Eagles have a good offense, a pretty good defense. We saw week one, it wasn't that great, but they had a great draft. They have young guys, and they have a very good front four. So this is going to be a good game, and I'm happy that it's the second game on Monday Night Football. Yeah, so my first game is going to be the Titans versus the Bills. And the reason this is a good game, most a lot of people might think, oh, the Bills are just going to blow them out. This is not, it's not going to be a big deal. But everyone's forgetting about the king, in my opinion, of the running backs. It's Derrick Henry, whose nickname, whose nickname is the king, because he is King Henry. He, we know the what happened with the Bills and the Titans and Derrick Henry in the, their past couple of matchups, including that stiff arm against Josh Norman, where you see the energy between these two teams when it comes to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's obviously, for some reason or another, has been fired up against this team, and I suspect it to continue for this matchup. I think Derrick Henry's going to have a great game. But then you obviously look at Josh on on the other side with Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, the guy I'm rooting for. 
as well as Dawson Knox, and then James Cook, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. You also got Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. It's a very high-powered offense, and it looks to be pretty good, though there was four interceptions last week, which Josh Allen cannot let happen again. They Their offense looks very, very good. So that's why I think that game is going to be great. As I have a question you know. first before we move on to the second game about Derrick Henry. Because you said he's the king. But last week, he did not play well. And Dontra Hilliard was the star running back of that game. And they we saw it was a crazy ending last week in that Titans game. But how do you think, how is Derrick Henry going to be able, especially I think they're going to be down against the Bills a lot. How do you think they're going to be able to run the ball? And do you? I mean, you talked about Derrick Henry being so reliable. I disagree, especially because of week one. But are, do you think he's going to bounce back in some way? And do you think they're going to keep running the ball? Yeah, I do. I think that they're, he's going to bounce back. And their passing attack, I mean, you know the Bills defense. They've got Tredavious White. And then the two amazing the two amazing centers back there. Sorry, safeties back there. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And Matt Point Milano of- and Tremaine Edmonds, yeah. So it's going to be very hard to pass the ball. Running the ball, it's still going to be hard. But when you have King Henry, he can surpass any, any defense. Yeah, he had one bad game. It was the beginning of the season. And it's his first bad game in a couple seasons, in my opinion. This guy's been amazing. Everyone's going to have a bad game once in a while, especially at the beginning of the season. You saw how sloppy football was last week. I suspect all teams across the league to be a lot more disciplined after a week of being able to practice and saying, hey, this is what went wrong. This is how we didn't play well, and this is what we're going to fix, which is why I think that's going to be a shootout. And then I'll move on to my second game, and this one is going to be the Bengals versus the Cowboys. I am so, so, so excited for this game obviously Cowboys fans, but this one is not, it's not a biased pick at all. I was, I I honestly think this is one of the top games of the weekend. And this is because the Cowboys, how are they going to do without Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott obviously got injured. Cooper Rush is in, who's been a favorite between Cowboys fans for the last couple of years, filling in against the Vikings last year, I believe two years ago against the Vikings as well. He's been pretty great, but Cooper Rush is filling in. And there's uncertainty at the quarterback position. And then you look at Ezekiel Elliott. How is that going to work? Why did Ezekiel Elliott only get 10 carries for like 51 yards, I believe it was? Five yards a carry. Why is that it? Tony Pollard got let Dak get blown up multiple times because he was not blocking the guy coming down. Coming down and coming to sack the quarterback. Something that Ezekiel Elliott is amazing at. Why was Zeke not in more? And even that, why did Tony Pollard play so bad? Can he play better? We want him to be able to rush the ball with speed to be lightning to Zeke's thunder. That's just the way that it needs to be if this Cowboys team wants a, t- wants a chance against the Bengals. And then we also want to see how the Bengals rebound. You saw what happened last week against the, the Steelers. Horrible game up until the last couple of minutes of the re- of regulation where Josh, where they get a touchdown, have a chance to make the PAT, and it gets blocked. I mean, that la- the last... 30 minutes of that game were the, including overtime was some of the craziest football I've ever seen in my life. That was great, but it was horrible for the Bengals fans. They cannot be doing stuff like that. They need to be much more disciplined, especially for a team that a lot of people, a lot of analysts are picking to go to the Super Bowl. Some are picking them to win it and they're supposed to be the next great team. You've got to play better and let's see how they rebound against the Cowboys. I mean, I, again, I disagree here. I don't think this is going to be a good game. For the sole fact that Dak Prescott's hurt, 
Like Cooper Rush, yeah, he led a Monday night victory against the Vikings last week, last year. But this offense is not capable. Even with Dak Prescott in, they did not have Dak Pres- they did not have a offensive line that was able to protect him. He did not we saw how much he struggled without Amari Cooper, only with CD Lamb. And this offense is not functional at all. This defense is not great at all either. They were not able to slow down the uh Leonard Fournette, who rushed for 137 yards, and who let Julio Jones, who's an older receiver, who was their wide receiver three, get loose. I disagree. I don't think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a bloodbath, and the Bengals are going to absolutely obliterate the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, so let's move on to our NBA predictions, Some a topic that we've been looking forward to for many weeks now and that we're very excited to share. So we're going to start off with arguably the most important individual stat, regular season MVP. Who do we have as a regular season MVP? I'm going to start, and I'm honestly going to say, I think it's going to be Luka Doncic. I, I think last, last year in the postseason, Luka Doncic's greatness was finally truly appreciated. Do I think that he's going to win the championship year, this year? No, because the only reason that they started succeeding in the playoffs, in my opinion, was because Jalen Brunson started to help out and Luka wasn't taking as many shots. But Luka Doncic, that's just his play style. He will be the main guy on his team, and there's not really that many people around him to help unless there's midseason trades, which I expect there will be for this Mavs team if they want to become a real contender. There's no reason to waste Doncic's prime, or at least him becoming great. I think he will be an all-time great player. But... Luka Doncic is my this year's MVP, in my opinion, because I just think that his greatness will be appreciated. He's not very injury prone. We saw that he had an injury in Eurobasket in Europe Euro basketball, but I think that he is fine. He will be fine for the NBA season and he will be able to perform as Luka Magic again. It's just crazy how a player like him is succeeding, not in a bad way, but just his slowness. He's so different than other NBA players that it makes him good which is what is crazy to me. And that's why I think that he'll be great this year and win regular season MVP. I agree with you. I have Luka Doncic finally winning the MVP. He's been favored or in the top three for so many years now. I think he finally gets it. I think Christian Wood, the center, is the missing piece they traded for. They unfortunately had to trade Boban. They had to trade Boban, the 7-7 center, who was Luka's best friend. But they ended up getting a guy that's going to start. He's going to be a routine starter, probably get 35, 40 minutes a game, maybe even. He's going to be a great compliment to Luka. He's finally going to give some, sh- allow some shooting aside Luka, and he's going to be able to pl- play in the mid-range and paint. He's a 6-10 center. He's going to have a great year. And I think coming from the Houston Rockets, who where he was severely undervalued, I think this is a huge, huge deal adding him. And I think Luka is finally going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know if he'll make the finals, but I think he'll get very far. And my, I have a close second and third. My second is Jason Tatum. Now, I'm not saying this because of bias. Jason Tatum was top seven in MVP voting last year. One of the best two-way players in the NBA. Two-way bigs in the NBA. You could put Paul George in that conversation if you wanted to. Obviously, Giannis is in that conversation. Rudy Gobert, maybe. But his offense is not as good as Jason Tatum. But this guy single-handedly led, I'm not talking about in the finals, led his team to the NBA finals. In the regular season, he had a 15 or 20 game streak of just going off, 
mid in the midseason. He is a very good player. He's the leader of the Celtics team, even though you can argue Jalen Brown's better. You can argue Jalen Brown's a leader. You can argue even Malcolm Brogdon is going to have a bigger impact than Jason Tatum. But that's that this is the exact reason I think Jason Tatum will win him will be a close second because of the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. They ended up getting a guy who can shoot who can handle the ball, doesn't have to give Tatum, make Tatum make tough decisions and terrible decisions towards the end of the game. They have a guy that can handle the ball, can shoot, and can pass and distribute the ball. Exactly what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need. And I think the Celtics team is also going to go far. And then third, obviously, Kevin Durant. I think this guy is going to have a standout year. And you've you've mentioned this a lot, and I completely agree with you. Ben Simmons is severely underrated. His last healthy season, he was a first time first team all defensive player of the year. He's finally healthy. Apparently, he's learned how to shoot this offseason, which happens every offseason, apparently. But he's I think he's going to be very healthy. They've added some pieces around him as well. Kyrie's back, and I think Kevin's Kevin Durant is gonna have a great year. Okay, so that leads me to my next segment. Who's going to make the NBA Finals? Who's going to make it for me right now? I've got the the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. I think that they can come together and that they can pull this off this year. Kevin Durant is going to show the whole world that he is that type of player. Kyrie Irving is going to have a rejuvenated season. First time back to the Finals in a very long time. He left the Cavs. And he hasn't made it since going to the Celtics and then the Nets. But I think that they're going to make it there. And then opposing them, I have the Suns. I think that the Suns are going to make it far. Mm. I've got Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden. I've got them going off. I've I've got them being great this year. I think that the Suns can be a very real player. Devin Booker was pretty good last year. I think that he can beat Luka this year. Not let that happen again. But they've just got to be better in the playoffs. They have not been great in the past couple of years, except for when they went to the finals. And then CP3, he's still there. Like, he's been forgotten about. But CP3 has not retired. He is still on the Suns. And he's still making an impact for them where they're going to need it, which is a point with which is a point guard. They're going to need a good point guard who can throw lobs and throw the ball in the post and, and, and really assist the ball well to people like DeAndre Aiden. But then they've also got a, one of the best shooting guards in the league, one of the best shooters in the league, a guy that can create space on all three levels in Devin Booker. So I've got the Nets going against the Suns in the NBA Finals this year. I have a little bit of a different route. I have the Mavs versus the Celtics. I think the Celtics make it back this year. They finally get the missing piece they need, a guy they can lead on, lean on if they have trouble. I talked about this a little bit, Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's going to be a great compliment to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, I don't think he'll have a, as great of a year as last year, but I think he'll have a good year. And then on the Western Conference, I have the Dallas Mavericks. Again, I also talked about this. I think it'll be the one and two MVP in MVP voting. And... I think the only reason I don't think the Golden State Warriors make it is because they had huge losses of Gary Payne and Otto Porter. Otto Porter started in the NBA Finals. Gary Payne made a huge impact in the regular season, got hurt. The team wasn't the same, and he came back strong. He's a good offensive and very good defensive player. So those are two huge losses, and I think they'll make an impact in the Mavs series in the Western Conference Finals. And I don't think the Suns will make it because I think all these three teams are very close, but I don't think the Suns make it because Chris Paul is getting older. We saw it 
he's not able to he's not able to really play up to his standards even as he did against the Milwaukee Bucks that was his chance to win the NBA finals he was finally in the NBA finals he had a chance to win and they just didn't make it through they just didn't pull through so i don't he's not he's he still is a point god but he's not his passing ability is the only thing that's keeping him in the league his mid range has got less and less and less dominant over the years, so I think that's just why they lose, and they haven't really made any big offseason additions either. So now let's move on to two brothers, two picks, and my first pick is going to be I I think it's very surprising. I picked this guy up, so I drafted Zach Ertz, right? And it was a very it was a very late round pick. I drafted him. He was very hurt, and no one knew if this guy was going to play. He ended up playing week one, had six targets coming off an ACL and MCL tear, Logan Thomas. He's only rostered in 10.1% of leagues, is a top five, in my opinion, top seven tight end at least. He garnered top seven? Yes, top seven. And remember, when he was healthy two years ago, he was the number three tight end in fantasy. He garnered six targets, three catches for 45 yards in a new offense that he hadn't really been in. He started practicing the last week before the season. Think about that. And the guy had 7.5 fantasy points and is one of the best tight, I think a top 10 at least, top seven in my opinion, fantasy football tight end. He's going to get, they're playing a Detroit offense, which we saw was very high powered against a good Eagles defense. And there was a shootout. Carson Wentz, we saw in week one, is reviving his career. So I think this is going to be a very good game. There's going to be a, it's going to be a shootout type of game. And I think Logan Thomas is going to be a big part of that along with Curtis Samuel. Logan Thomas is a big red zone threat. He's also a good safety blanket for Carson Wentz, who in the past looked at, I mean, look at Zach Ertz's numbers and Dallas Goddard's numbers when uh, Carson Wentz was on the Eagles. Insane. So he's going to look to Logan Thomas for that, and it's going to be a high-scoring game. So they're going to pass a lot. Yeah, so my first pick is Devontae Parker, the standout wide receiver for the New England Patriots. He's projected 9.6 points in ESPN PPR leagues, yet... He's only rostered in 31.2% of leagues, which may seem like a lot, but two out of every three leagues, he's not rostered. So his boom percentage is 25%. 25% for over 17.8 points. And he's only rostered in one less than one-third of leagues. 17.8 points, and he's 25% chance. He has a less bust percent chance, 18 for less than six points than he has for a boom percentage. Like this guy is, he's legit and he could definitely go ham on the Steelers this week. He's been, he, he did bust last week. He had 1.9 points, but it was a new, it was a new year. Mac Jones did not look great. The Patriots did not look great. Bill Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick. We know the guy, the type of coach he is. He's not going to let that happen again. They're going to get whipped into shape. They're going to get into gear. And Devontae Parker is going to be great for this New England Patriots team. Yeah, my second guy is, I think it's a very big surprise that he's not rostered in in a higher percentage of leagues. He's only rostered in 6.5% of leagues. He's the Atlanta Falcons quarterback. You can probably guess who I'm talking about right now, Marcus Mariota. Now look at this. Last week, this thing about the Atlanta offense as a whole, who are their weapons? Kyle Pitts, Olamide Zacchaeus, like Cordell Patterson, Drake London. I mean, yeah, but Drake London was hurt, and he's a rookie. But Kyle Pitts and Drake London are their only two real assets. Cordell Patterson is being used more as a runner this year. Um, So that's it. 
He put up 215 yards, no touchdowns, but no picks at all. He's very secure with the ball. He only fumbled one time, which was very unfortunate. But the rushing upside here is insane. 12 rushes, 72 yards, and a touchdown. He was just under 20 points. He's a top 10 quarterback in fantasy right now after week week one. He's very secure with the ball. And they, this week, are playing a very, they're playing the Rams, who just gave up huge numbers to Josh Allen who had four picks and was sacked a bunch of times, but still put up 32 fantasy points with a rushing touchdown. Very similar to Marcus Mariota in week one. And this Bills deep, I mean, sorry, this Rams defense is very generous to opposing opposing quarterbacks, especially with a huge tight end like Kyle Pitts, who runs like a wide receiver and a receiver out of the backfield. That's going to be a huge threat. The Rams are going to have to find a way to mitigate that. And that just opens up way more lanes for Marcus Mariota. So I think he's going to have a huge rushing upside and he's very with the ball look for him to have maybe one or two passing touchdowns this week as well yeah so my second pick is Noah Brown the wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys Michael Gallup is out and then you look at James Washington he's also out Amari Cooper was obviously traded this offseason my guy Cedric Wilson was picked up by the Dolphins this year so they they've left the closet empty and it's really just CD Lamb in there and we saw what happened last week he had a pretty horrible game, was getting double covered by the safety and either slot corner or the outside corner. There was really nothing he can do. But what that does do is lead the other wide receivers one-on-one, which includes Noah Brown. Noah Brown last year, last week had 11.8 points on, a, on an offense that only scored three. Imagine they're not going to score three against this Bengals defense only. They're going to score more than that. They're at least going to have one touchdown. And he might be a part of that. He's projected eight points. I believe he'll get over that because he is just better than he got 11 points on a horrible offense last week. Imagine, and I know it's Cooper Rush, but it's also a much, much worse defense that they're playing. So you look at that, it, Noah Brown could be very, very valuable in fantasy this week as a mid or even high-end flex. So let's break down what he what he's projected. He has a 6% chance of a boom of, of 17 points. That's not really something to worry about, this percentage, because that's something that he. I think he could get 15, 14, maybe 16, 17 points in this week against the Bengals. He has a 29% chance to bust under 5.8 points. But honestly, who else are they going to throw to? There's only so much that you can throw checkdowns to Zeke and Tony Pollard and try to attempt to throw to CeeDee Lamb. There has to be at least two other guys. Dalton Schultz is there. But other than that, I mean, we saw last week when Noah Brown and really when there was not a lot of people left in that offense, they did not do well. I think they'll be better this week. And there will be guys stepping up that maybe you wouldn't think to, including Noah Brown. I think he'll be good. He did not boom last week, which I think he definitely should have because he was predicted like seven points. But I he did not bust last week either. He's a great player, and he will do great this week, if for any, if not for anything else, because there is just no wide receivers on this Dallas off. Yeah, so let's move on to our final topic. Roger Federer, unfortunately for the fans, and fortunately for him, being able to retire happy, from the sport of tennis. So Roger Federer, obviously a great, great player and a guy that we will never, ever forget from this sport. He's won 20 singles Grand Slam titles and he's been a great all-around player. Growing up, 
like being a little kid and watching tennis, he was the guy. There was no other. He's kind of the Tiger Woods of tennis for men's tennis. There was really no, oh, do I like this guy or that guy? No, it was Roger Federer. This guy's a winner. He's going to win a lot. And he's a good guy while doing it. He's one of the greatest to ever play. And he is just a guy that, and so many people across the world have aspired and and have been inspired by. He's been a guy that is just a role model to millions because of what he does on and off the court and a true, a true symbol of what a, a generational sports athlete should be like. And that's why, you know, I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna be happy that he's leaving. He was my childhood favorite tennis player. He was the guy, like I said. But I mean, we'll see what he moves on to in the rest of his life. And if he says it's time, athletes just know when it's their time, it's their time to hang it up. And Roger Federer has chosen to hang hang it up. He's not gonna be that back, and it's gonna be unfortunate for the fans. But there's also going to be younger guys coming up, just like the U.S. Open, where we saw the number one ranked player in the world now, who's 19 years old. There's going to be guys that came up, and I guarantee that every single one of them knew Roger Federer and modeled their game after him. He was just that guy, and I'm sad to see him go, and I'm excited to see what happens in the next chapter of his life. Exactly, and the guy I find Roger Federer comparable to is Tom Brady. Both of them. Roger Federer, years in the league, tw- in playing tennis, like pro, 24. Tom Brady, this is his 23rd season. This guy, when you grow up, and even when you watch, this guy's the guy that stands out. This guy's dominant. The 103-time titles champion. He's in total. 20-time Grand Slam champion. Um, And he's been the Davis Cup champion one time, in addition to many other accolades. This guy has been ranked world number one for 310 weeks. That's over six years in total. Think about that. Six years out of 24, 25% of Roger Federer's pro career in total has been ranked world number one. That's absolutely an insane fact to wrap your head around. This guy is the most dominant tennis player ever besides Serena Williams, but male uh, tennis player, this guy's the most dominant. This guy is the GOAT male, male tennis player. He's been a role model for so many, and he's very comparable to Tom Brady, a guy that came up. This Roger Federer turned pro in 1998. He's been absolutely incredible ever since. He's sort of like the Carlos Alcaraz recently in nine, where in he was such a dominant, uh, a, a teenager and a, such a dominant young athlete when he first came into the league, and it's never stopped since. It's continued very similar to Tiger Woods, like you mentioned, but I think the Tom Brady example is perfect. He's just. He's made tennis popular. He's made um his country popular, and he's been a real role model for the, his whole team.